From Valley Public Radio, you're listening to COVID-19 This Week, San Joaquin Valley. I'm your host, Kathleen Schock, with health reporter Carrie Klein. It's April 9th, 2021. As the vaccine rolls out and the San Joaquin Valley sheds its pandemic-related restrictions, schools are reopening and students are beginning to return to campus. So as part of this week's COVID-19 update, Carrie brings us the perspective of school health care workers preparing to come face-to-face with students for the first time in a year. Carrie, welcome back. Thanks, Kathleen. So as usual, let's first start with a status report from across the valley. Well, the numbers are continuing to look really good. Um, Average new cases are really low, as low as they were in October when we were optimistic there wouldn't be a second surge. Of course, we all know how that ended. Um, But the the number of hospitalized patients is also creeping down slowly, and our weekly number of deaths have been dropping as well. So around 70 deaths were reported in the last week, as opposed to more than 200 just a week ago. Vaccinations are continuing to gain momentum, and in the Valley, we're actually uh, above the state average now for the pace of administering vaccines, which is great news. We are beyond 1.2 million doses in our seven-county area at this point, and 15% of our population is fully vaccinated. Our region continues to open, and now only Merced County remains in the purple most restrictive tier. Tulare and Mariposa counties are in the orange tier, two steps ahead, and the rest of the counties in our area are in red. So everywhere except Merced County, most businesses are allowed uh, some sort of indoor operations, though most still have restrictions, and schools are now allowed to reopen. But it looks like that whole reopening plan is going to be changing soon, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, it's looking like it's it's actually soon going to be scrapped. So Governor Gavin Newsom announced earlier this week that he plans to fully reopen California's economy by June 15th, though that's as long as hospitalization rates remain low and vaccines become available to everyone over 16 who wants one. Now, the state didn't really specify how they'd evaluate those numbers, like if there are certain thresholds that must be met, but there it is. Um, and under that plan, most industries would see their business go back to normal what they were before the pandemic. So who is eligible for the vaccine at this point and where can they get it? So officially, for right now, all Californians over 50 are eligible, but on April 15th, just next week, that'll change to everyone over 16. And some counties are ahead of the game. Fresno and Kern have already opened up eligibility to everyone over 16. As for where to go, the list of clinics keeps growing. So Kern and Fresno counties, for instance, have huge mass vaccination sites capable of giving out hundreds to thousands of doses per day. You can register for those through the county or at myturn.ca.gov. Private insurers and clinics have vaccines. Commercial pharmacies like CVS and Rite Aid have vaccines. Many counties are sending out mobile clinics into rural areas. Unfortunately, there is still not one, just one centralized place to register for a vaccine yet. So your best bet is to check your county health department's website or get in touch with your doctor or visit the websites of specific pharmacies or all of the above. As you said, with most counties in our area out of the purple reopening tier, schools are beginning to open their doors back up to students. What is school going to look like for students over the next few months? Well, there is a ton of variation between school districts. So many are implementing a phased approach, allowing only a few grade levels back on campus at a time. 
Some are staggering which students are on campus when or offering hybrid schedules with students in person a few days or virtual a few days. Some are offering on-campus learning but for shorter days. You know, my daughter is too young to be in school, but boy, do I not envy parents of school-aged kids right now having to navigate all of this. Yeah, my stepdaughter is a senior in high school and um, it's been a, it's been a year <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. But you know, I also don't envy school district employees. The public discourse about schools tends to center on teachers and parents, you know, and rightly so. But Carrie, you sought out the perspective this week of school nurses and social workers. Tell me, what has the last year been like for them? Yeah, I was really curious about this. I mean, you know, what what can you do when so much of your work is centered around taking care of kids in an exam room or meeting with them in your office between classes? And the answer is a lot. So, I, you know, one person I spoke with is Priscilla Hansen. She's a school nurse at Bullard High School in Fresno. She says a lot of her work actually did carry over virtually. You know, she does a lot to make sure that kids are up to date with their immunizations. Um, she screens kids for special education, things like that. But she also ended up doing a lot more work to track down students when they didn't show up for class this past year. And so sometimes it came down to, you know, a technology problem. Sometimes the student needed a cheerleader. Part of it is just, you know, letting them know that everybody's trying to do the same thing and that they're not alone. Um, and that happens when they're in on campus, too. We say, you know, if you're going through this, you're not alone. You know, even things like their technology and making sure that they can get in touch and make sure, you know, if they're going to tell me something like, what, well, you know, I'm shy or the parent will say this student's shy and they don't, they don't feel comfortable saying things on Zoom, that I can get in touch with the teacher. And then there is Kim Reynolds. She's a social worker with Kern High School District in Bakersfield. She too got pulled into these so-called non-engagement teams um, that were out there tracking down students. But her team of social workers also had to pivot to providing more direct resources to students. For instance, many schools created so-called closets with supplies for students in need. They would have just you know, general clothing, food, things like that. And that was open to all students that needed it. So that was something that was done um, differently this year that will probably continue on. Um, we've just seen a huge need as far as basic needs go during this time. And so we're probably gonna, that's something that we're probably gonna continue on even after the, the pandemic. So that's interesting. They found a new way to provide some resources to students. I imagine that's not the only positive to come out of this year. No. In fact, a few administrators told me that there have been some advantages to, you know, this virtual conferencing technology. Um, for instance, another admin with, um, you know, with the current high school district told me he actually saw a huge uptick in parent engagement online. And so more parents joined conferences with teachers when they didn't actually have to be there in person. Um, and then Rebecca Banky, she's another social worker with current high school district. Um, she told me that she feels that she has more tools to be able to meet students where they are. For instance, before the pandemic, if a student didn't show up for a meeting, she'd have to wait until the next week to follow up. But now I can actually say, hey, since you're at home, do you want to do Zoom? Um, one of the students right now, like we're actually doing a self-esteem workbook and putting it onto the screen has been nice because she already had low attendance in the beginning. And so her nervousness of coming back, I can ease that and still work with her over the computer screen. What are these healthcare workers expecting to see when students come back to campus? 
Well, first off, I mean, those I spoke with are excited. I mean, they can't wait to see their students face to face again, but they know that there will be challenges. You know, kids have been struggling. There's been lost learning, lost socializing, you know, the grief and trauma of the pandemic, you know, potential upheaval at home with families. Some kids will be back in their element, but others who may have actually excelled with online learning could have trouble adjusting back to the world of routine and structure and socializing. Rebecca Banky, though, one thing she's excited about is to regain confidentiality in meeting with her students. And I have been setting up a lawn chair in their front yard and talking to them with their parent coming out or a neighbor or their little siblings. Um, so I'm excited just to have a place where we can have some one private one-on-ones better than what we have been having. And then for Priscilla Hansen, the school nurse in Fresno, you know, she's wary of students following guidelines, keeping their masks on and being safe. But one thing she says she can't wait for is just the sound of the students in the hallways. Hmm. Carrie, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Kathleen. You've been listening to COVID-19 This Week with reporter Carrie Klein. I'm your host, Kathleen Schock. Thanks to our news director, Alice Daniel, and engineer, Don Weaver. We'll be back next week. And be sure to check out our other weekly podcast, Valley Edition. All this and more at kvpr.org.